Now when they had passed through Amphipolis and Apollonia, they came to Thessalonica, where there was a synagogue of the Jews, and Paul went in. And as his custom, on three Sabbath days, he reasoned with them from the scripture, explaining and proving that it was necessary for the Christ to suffer and to rise from the dead, and saying, This Jesus, whom I proclaim to you, is the Christ. And some of them were persuaded and joined Paul and Silas, as did a great many of the devout Greeks, and not a few of the leading women. But the Jews was jealous, and taking some wicked men of the rabble, they formed a mob, set the city in an uproar, and attacked the house of Jason, seeking to bring them out to the crowd. And when they could not find them, they dragged Jason and some of the brothers before the city authorities, shouting, these men who have turned the world upside down have come here also, and Jason has received them, and they are, they are all acting against the decrees of Caesar, saying that there is another king, Jesus. And the people and the city authority were disturbed when they heard these things, and when they had taken money as security, from Jason and the rest, they let them go. The brothers immediately sent Paul and Silas away tonight by night to Berea. And when they arrived, they went into the Jewish synagogue. Now these Jews was more noble than those in Thessalonica. They received the word with all eagerness, examining the scriptures daily to see if these things were so. Many of them therefore believed with not a few Greek women of high standing as well as men. But when the Jews from Thessalonica learned that the word of God was proclaimed by Paul at Beret, also they came there too, agitating and stirring up the crowds. Then the brothers immediately sent Paul off on his way to the sea. But Silas and Timothy remained there. Those who conducted Paul brought him as far as Athens. And after receiving a command for Silas and Timothy, to come to him as soon as possible, they departed. Thank you, Mom, for that reading. So church, I will briefly sum up what she just said. And the message today, I'm only gonna really focus on the first four verses, but I'll sum up exactly what she said and what that, what that text means. So this is when Paul was doing his, one of his many, many missionary journeys. Uh, he goes from city to city, spreading the gospel. But what's unique about this is when I was reading, as I've shared before, sometimes when I read the Bible or when I read the Bible in the past, I would look at these people in the Bible as characters, not as human people. So Paul was a character to me. David was an amazing character, someone who I considered similar to myself. So I saw all these characters in the Bible kind of forgetting that these are real people. They had real feelings real emotions, real families, real problems. They, some of them had kids, wives, husbands, children, etc. So these were real people. I do want to focus that these were real people. And why is that important? So this is a real person, Paul. He's speaking in, at the time we can just use Thessalonica. He's speaking in Thessalonica, and he's spreading the good news of Jesus Christ. In the process of spreading the good news, he saves some people, but some people are upset and they want to kill him. They really want to harm him. So he, has to, he hides for a period of time. He has to flee at night. And then he goes to the next city, and he does the same exact thing again. 
And that's the point I want to focus on. To, let me put that in present day terms. Imagine if I were, well, I'm living in Johor Bahru, but imagine if I called my mom one day from Johor Bahru and I say, Mom, I want to tell you what the Lord did for me. He, he performed a miracle. I was in Johor Bahru speaking to some people, and a lot of people were saved. But at the same time, Mom, a lot of people were upset, and they tried to harm me. They tried to kill me. So I went to my friend's house, and I hid for a period of time. But they came with me. They were, they, they were looking to harm me in so many different ways. It was a mob. It was a, it was a huge group of people. And if they found me, Mom, I really think they would have killed me. But they didn't find me. They found my friends. They beat my friends really bad. But my friends never told them where I was, right? And Mom, so I was able to, I was able to hide out until nighttime, and I made it out. I'm alive. So that's why I'm calling you to tell you exactly what happened. At that point, she'd probably be praising the Lord and saying, I'm so glad that you're safe. Good job. Oh, Mom, I'm going to do it again tomorrow. Right? That's what he does. Right after he escapes death, he does it again. He goes to Berea, escapes death or escapes harm, and he does it again. So that's what I want to talk about. To me, that to the common person, that seems foolish. You escape death and you put yourself in that situation again. Why does he do that? So that's, that's basically what we're going to talk about today. Um, and let's see what Paul was thinking about when he was making these decisions. Chapter 17, verse 1. Now when they had passed through Amphipolis and Apollonia, they came to Thessalonica, where there was a synagogue of the Jews. And Paul went in, as was his custom. I want to stop right there. As was his custom. What does that mean? As was his custom means that's something Paul always did, right? That was normal for him. He would always go and speak to people in the synagogue, start with the Jews first. That was his custom. To show you that was his custom... Verse 10, Acts chapter 17, verse 10. So in verse 2, it says that was his custom. He escapes Thessalonica, goes into Berea, and then what does it say, what does it say in verse 10? The brothers immediately sent Paul and Silas away by night to Berea, and when they arrived, they went into the Jewish synagogue. They did it again. So he escapes death. He goes to the synagogue, makes people upset. He leaves, goes to Berea. He does the same thing again. So why does Paul do that? Or as was his custom. What does that mean? So why was Paul so comfortable putting himself in these situations? So it's a situation, it's a situation where he knows I'm going to go and speak to these people. I'm going to convert a lot of people to Christ. or I'm going to teach a lot of people about Christ, and they're going to be saved as a result of that. But I also may be killed. But he's trusting in God the, the entire time. Why is he so comfortable doing that? And I use myself, for example. I'm not comfortable doing that. If I know I'm going to walk into harm, I'm going to avoid that situation as much as possible. But we need to understand why is Paul so comfortable putting himself in that situation. So we're going to talk about maybe what led up to this point. And I'll explain it with a metaphor, with the story. So normally I don't ask for church participation, but this time I am. If you have ever changed a car tire in your life, if you've ever changed a, vehicle, a tire on a vehicle, please raise your hand. And it's okay, right? I'm going to ask the second question. If you've never changed a tire vehicle, if you've never changed a tire on someone's vehicle, raise your hand. If you have never changed a tire, raise your hand. Okay? So we probably have even. Half of the people have changed a tire. Half of the people have not changed a tire. My wife, Jenny. Let's say I'm not at church, and my wife, Jenny, she's at church, and she says, Hey, church, I have a flat tire. Can someone help me change my tire? The people who have helped change the tire, they would jump at the opportunity. Yes, I'll help. I'll go out there, and I'll change your tire. And when they're changing that tire, they're not thinking about the weather. They're not thinking if their life is going to be harmed. They're not thinking about anything but serving. 
that person, my wife, and changing that tire, right? Because they're prepared. They've done it before. They've probably done it many times, so they're prepared to change that tire at that moment. And they're not thinking of any, any side effects or repercussions. The only thing they're thinking about is the Lord gave me an opportunity to serve. I'm going to serve right now. They're not looking for payment. They're not looking for reward. They're just looking to serve. And that tire will get changed. Now, let's turn the story around. Same situation. My wife needs a tire change. And she asked someone who has never changed a tire. How do you think they're going to respond at that time? They're going to be nervous. They're going to be fearful. I've never done this before. I don't want to do it. I don't know how to change a tire. Are these bolts or these lug nuts? What's, where do you put the jack? They're going to be very nervous, and they're probably not going to do it. 95% of the people, if they've never changed a tire, they're never going to help you change a tire. And the 5% of the people that will change a tire, if they've never changed a tire, you probably don't want them to do it. Right? You probably say, hey, I'll, I'll, if you've never done it, I've never done it, I'll figure it out on my own. Right? So that's the same situation with Paul. Right? So the reason Paul was so comfortable putting himself in this opportunity or putting himself in these situations, for one, he was prepared. He was prepared before that day through worship, through serving the Lord, through, through studying the Lord's heart, through studying the Lord's heart, Paul was prepared. So when the opportunity came for him to go and speak to people, he was ready for it. Lord, thank you. Yes, these people need to be spoken to. They need to be saved. Send me. I'll go. I'm ready. He was ready for that challenge. He was ready for that opportunity because he was prepared before that day ever came. That was just something he had the opportunity to, opportunity to do. A tire needed to be changed. I have the opportunity to change this tire. I'm going to do it. Somebody needs to be saved. Somebody needs to be spoken to in the name of Jesus Christ. I'm prepared. I'm going to do it. The only time we're fearful in those situations is when we're not prepared. Right? And preparation doesn't come from going to church or reading your Bible for five minutes one day a week. Prepare comes from the same way Paul prepared through worship. Worship is not Anthony standing in front of the Lord singing. Worship is between you and God. Right? Spending time with the Lord to understand who he is, understand his word, understand his doctrine. So that's why Paul was so comfortable going time and time and time again, putting himself in those situations, because he was prepared before that day ever came. So when the opportunity came, he didn't look at it as a challenge. He was very excited about that opportunity, and he accepted it every single time. And Paul went in, as was his custom, and on three seven days he's reasoned with them from the scriptures explaining and proving that it was necessary for the Christ to suffer and to rise from the dead. So that's a very important message. So Paul's speaking to people who are considered not Christians yet. They have not accepted Christ. So if you notice, when Paul goes in to speak to these people, what is he talking about? Jesus. Paul's not talking about what type of food they eat. Are they circumcised? He's not talking about their sexual status. He's not talking about where they live, what church they go to, what music they listen to. He's not focusing on all these things that we focus on sometimes. He's just sharing Jesus Christ with these people, and that's it, right? And why is that so important? Why is that so important that we share Jesus and Jesus only? And I'll use myself, for example. When I first gave my life to the Lord, I was so excited. I was so excited. I just immediately want to tell everyone about the Lord. But initially, I did it wrong. Right? I went to my friends, hey, because I was in college at the time. Hey, you have to stop smoking. You have to stop drinking. You have to stop going to these clubs. You have to stop having sex with girls. So I started putting all these rules on my friends. And guess how many of them changed? Zero. And actually, I lost some friends as a result of that. Right? 
So then, after I became more mature in the Lord, I understood. It's not my responsibility to put rules on people. Because what the Lord explained to me, as I've said many times, if they follow these rules and they never accept Jesus Christ, they appease me, but they've never been saved. They'll never meet Jesus. So when you meet someone who's not a Christian or you really want them to change, don't focus on the change. Focus on sharing Jesus with them, and he will, he will bring the change in their life. So I spoke a couple of weeks ago, and somebody came to me after church, and they said, Mike, I heard your message. I really believe in what you said. I really understand why we're supposed to do these things, and, and your message was exactly what I needed to hear. But something you missed out was how. You never told me how I'm supposed to do these things. So, yeah, I agree with everything you said, but you never told me how I'm supposed to do these things. And I went home, and I was just like, it was almost pointless. So I listened to that person, and I said, okay. So this time I'm going to tell you guys how. So what am I saying? So Paul, one of his missionary journeys, he went somewhere he was very uncomfortable, or he was very comfortable. He was almost killed. He was harmed. I'm not going to teach you guys how to die for Christ. That's not the purpose of the message today. But I am going to teach you when you're sharing Christ with people who are non-believers. So I was at work a couple weeks ago, and one of my young engineers wanted to meet with me. We had a meeting, and I said, hey, I don't have time to meet right now. I'm sorry. We're going to have to reschedule. So she said, okay. So I was sitting in my office at the end of the day, and she walks by, and I said, hey, come in. Let's, let's talk. I have some time now before I go home. What's up? And so we talked about work. She went and got her computer, and we discussed work for about five or ten minutes, and we were done. I was in my office, we both, she was on the other side with her computer, and she got ready to leave. And I said, hey, it's the end of the day, if you want to stay in here and talk, because she's a new engineer, so I wanted to get to know her more. I said, feel comfortable to stay in my office. I'm working, you're working. We can still have a conversation while we're working, right? So she, she stayed in my office, and we talked for about five or ten minutes. So I just began to build a relationship with her. Hey, have you made any friends yet? Because she's new. I haven't made any friends. What do you do on the weekends? I don't do anything on the weekends. Do you go to the movies? Do you do anything to try to meet people? No, I just stay at home and I watch movies on my computer. All right, well, maybe you can come over to my house, have dinner with my family. I was just throwing things out, just trying to get her more involved. Because I told her, I said, hey, if you, don't, if you don't make friends in this community, work is going to stress you out and you're going to leave, you're going to resign, you're going to go back to your hometown. Right? And I don't want that. So first I was just developing a relationship with her saying, hey, you have to make friends in the, in the community. And then that was the week before Vesak. She was a Chinese person. So I said, hey, Vesak is Saturday. Are you going to the temple to pray? And she said, no, I don't really believe in that. I'm not going to go to the temple and pray. I said, okay. I said, but you're Buddhist, right? She said, well, my parents are Buddhist, but I'm not really, I don't really follow that. I don't really believe in all those different religions. I said, okay, that's interesting. I said, so what do you believe is going to happen to you when you die? Like, what's going to happen to you when you die? She said, oh, my body's going to turn to dust. The dust is going to go into the soil. It's going to blow and I'll be reincarnated. I said, okay. I said, awesome. I said, what about your soul? What's going to happen to your soul? She said, look, I'll be dead. That's not important, right? I'll be reincarnated. My soul will do whatever it does. That's not important to me. I said, okay. So I said, man, that's a little different than what I believe in. She said, are you a Christian? I said, yeah, I'm a Christian. She said, I know Christians believe in Jesus, and pretty much all religions are the same, so it's just what you believe in. I said, okay. I said, you're right. A lot of religions are similar. Many religions are, they have a lot of similarities. I said, but Christianity has only one difference, and that's Jesus Christ. I said, and the difference with Jesus is he's the only person who was a God that came down in human form, right? He died. He sacrificed his own life, and he gave life back to himself three days later. 
And then that's where it gets exciting because the Lord had prepared me for this conversation before the conversation. Right? So she says, but he really wasn't dead, right? I'm prepared for you. So I was excited. I jumped in. I'm ready to change this tire now. Okay. So I said, oh, great. I've heard that before. I said, well, actually, he was dead. Um, the way you, I said, one way you can prove he was dead scientifically is when the Roman soldier pierced his body on the cross, blood and water came out, which means uh, when blood and water separates, that means the human body is dead. I said, at that point, he was dead. He didn't swoon. He didn't take a medicine and raise back up from the dead three days later. He was actually dead. He was physically dead at that point. She said, okay. She said, but somebody just stole his body from the grave, right? So I said, okay, we can go there as well. Let's continue talking, right? So I said, um, great. I said, who's the most powerful military force on earth today? And she said, mm. I said, do you know who the Navy SEALs are? She said, yeah, I know the Navy SEALs. I said, well, the Roman Empire, they were the Navy SEALs of that time. They were the best military force on earth. And his tomb was guarded by uh, two Roman soldiers. And I said, so let me explain the tomb to you. He was wrapped in mummy material. And I said, once he's wrapped, he can't wiggle his way out of it on his own. So he didn't, re he didn't release himself from the wrappings. I said the tomb, the way the boulder was rolled in front of the tomb, it was at the bottom of a hill. It was a rock placed behind it, so he, no one could just roll it back up the hill. It was sealed with the Roman stamp. And I said it was so heavy, one man could not lift it on their own. And I said, these are disciples. Let's say if I go and attack the Navy SEALs, do you think I'm going to overpower the Navy SEALs? She said, no, probably not. Right? You're, you're not strong enough. I said, okay, good. I said, so we wasn't stolen. She said, well, maybe he snuck out the back or something. It was a secret entrance. And uh, I said, okay, that's great. So I said, look, I've already proven to you he actually died on the cross. Right? He was actually dead. He didn't escape. He couldn't escape the wrappings. He was sealed inside of a tomb. It was guarded by the Roman Empire. And I said, after that, he appeared to 5,000 people three days later um, or a period of time later. And I said, the same people that denied him in the beginning were the same people that accepted him and said, I saw Jesus Christ after he was resurrected. So the same people that denied him and said, no, I don't believe in this person were the same exact people that said, I saw him. I saw him. So her attitude starts to change as she's listening and we're talking. And she said, hey, well, you know, your church sounds interesting. I'd like to check it out sometime. And that was just the end of it. I'm, I wasn't trying to save her. I wasn't trying to convert her. I was just sharing Jesus with her and planting the seed. I wasn't trying to tell her why Buddhism, why I don't believe in Buddhism. I wasn't trying to change her lifestyle. I wasn't trying to do any of that. I was just sharing with her who Jesus Christ is and why I believe in him. Verse number three, explaining and proving that it was necessary for the Christ to suffer and to rise from the dead and saying, this Jesus whom I proclaim to you is the Christ. And some of them were persuaded and joined Paul and Silas, as did a great many of the devout Greeks and not a few of the leading women. And that's how you know Jesus was there. I've never spoke to a person and seen those, and seen those same people converted at that time. I mean, I've never done, I'll be honest with you guys. I've never spoken to a person today, and that person gives their life to Christ today. I've never done that. Um, I really haven't. Now, have I seen conversion a, couple, a, a period of time later? Yes, I have. Yes, I have. But I've never spoken to a person, and then they, they convert immediately. But let's see what it says here. In verse 3, this Jesus whom I proclaim to you is the Christ. And some of them were persuaded and joined Paul and Silas. Now what it says, since he spoke Jesus to these individuals, they were persuaded, which means they gave their life to Christ. I can assure you 
If Paul would have walked into that synagogue and said, Jews, you have to get circumcised. Homosexuals, you have to stop being homosexuals. Lesbians, idolaters, drunkards. If you start putting all these laws and rules on them and just telling them how they need to change, it would not have had this effect. And the Lord probably would not have been present with them. So the change or the renewed spirit or the renewed mind, that's for us as Christians. Before you're a Christian, the message is Christ, and that's it. That's the only thing we should be sharing with people is Christ. Because if they change and if they meet our rules before they're saved, it was, it was, it was for no point. If they, if they look like a Christian but they've never accepted Christ, there's no point. And I've been there. Right? I've walked and pretended to be a Christian for a period of time. I went to church. I prayed. To my friends, I was the best person in the world. And behind closed doors, I was someone completely different. Right? Because I hadn't accepted Christ yet. Truly accepted Christ. And I wasn't saved. Um, so that's why until a person gets saved and until they've truly accepted Christ, that's the only message you should teach to them. What's changed? Well, the first thing Paul made it very clear is the message Paul would teach all over the world is turn from your sin and believe in the gospel. Right? So turn, repent from your sin, and believe that Jesus Christ is real. And why is he real? So what's changed? 2,000 years ago, you had people willing to die. People, not characters. People willing to die for Christ over and over and over again. Fast forward to today. We're afraid to offend people. We're afraid to speak to our neighbors, me included. We're afraid to talk to people at work. We're afraid to talk to people over dinner, over nasili mak, or salted egg sotong, teitarek, right? We're afraid to have conversations with Christ in casual environments. We want to be, again, I'm going to speak directly to you guys because I've been there. We want to be Christians on Sunday. We want to be Christians in the comfort of our home where we can read our Bibles. But when we step out in public, we're afraid. We're afraid to share the gospel. So you have one situation where people are willing to die for Christ, and you have another situation where people are afraid to share Christ for whatever reason that is. There's many reasons we're afraid, and I don't know what those reasons are, right? But there's many reasons. So what's changed over 2,000 years? Has God changed? No. Has Jesus changed? No. Has the message changed? No. But as people, the way we worship and understand Christ, have we changed? We probably have, myself included. We probably have. So if you can, I've been weeks, guys, I haven't shared Christ with a person. I've been weeks where I haven't read my Bible. That's not natural, right? If, and, and, if, and if you're at that point in your life, that's not natural. You need to sit down and really spend time with the Lord and say, why am I comfortable not doing this? That's not a natural feeling. For someone who has proclaimed Christ, for someone who has accepted Christ, that is not natural, right? So you really need to ask yourself, if that's you, why is that natural? So what's changed? We've changed. So we need to get back to worship in our homes. We need to get back to preparing ourselves to share the gospel with people because Christ only had one plan. He has executed that plan, and now his plan is us. And he's not coming back to do it again. The first time he came back as Savior, right, to teach the world, to submit to, to, submit to us. He died for us the first time he came back as Savior. The next time he will come back as King, right? He's going to show us his power at that time. So I hear people say all the time, hey, why does the Lord just end it now? When he's ready, he will. And if you're not ready, that's going to be a very bad place, right? So the first time he came back as Savior, when he comes back the second time, he will come back as king. 
the biggest thing I'll leave you with is similar to Paul, always stick to Paul's message of sharing Jesus Christ first. Once a person's truly converted, then you can begin teaching them and loving them and nurturing them through the scriptures. But what's next? Guys, don't try to change people. Right? A person is who they are. If that person's going to change, it's going to be done by Jesus Christ. If you're speaking to a person who has never accepted Jesus Christ, do not try to change them. And I'll give you an example of my friends. I have some friends who are cheating on their wives today, and I know that. And we're still friends, and I'm okay with being friends with them. The message I used to share with them is stop cheating on your wife, bro. Like, dude, what are you doing? Stop cheating on your wife. You have kids. You have a wife. Stop cheating on your wife. Old message. The new message is completely different. Friend, you say you're a Christian. And if you're comfortable cheating on your wife, you need to ask yourself, are you truly saved? Because if you're comfortable with living that lifestyle, you really need to ask yourself, are you truly saved? Because I don't want you to just stop cheating on your wife. Because if you stop cheating on your wife and you've never accepted Christ, you've done, it means nothing. right? So now the message I share with them, hey, if you're comfortable doing this sin and you have no remorse or repent in your heart, you really need to ask yourself, are you saved? Because you tell me you're a Christian and you're telling your family and your friends, but you're comfortable doing these sins. I'm not judging you. I'm just asking you to examine yourself. If you're comfortable living in this sin and you have no remorse about it, please ask yourself, have you been truly saved? Because it's a possibility that answer is no. And I can say that because I've been there before. All right. So what's next? What's next is a lot of times we just try to change people. And I've been there. You need to go to this church. You need to dress this way. You need to walk this way. You need to eat this food. You can't have tattoos. You need to talk this way. Stop having sex. Stop drinking. Stop going to bars and clubs. My message has completely changed. And there's two messages now. One message, if you've never been introduced to Christ, I'm just going to share Christ with you. And that's it, through love. If you proclaim to be a Christian and you're still living this way, I'm just going to say, hey, examine yourself to see if you've truly been saved. Right? Examine yourself with the scriptures to see, hey, have I truly accepted Christ and has he truly accepted me? So that's pretty much all I wanted to share with you guys today. Um, and I just think Paul's, Paul, Paul and David are one of those amazing characters or people in the Bible to me. So where David, he's amazing. We're not going to talk about David today. But Paul, he's somebody that just keeps, Paul and Barabbas, Barnabas, they just keep putting themselves in situations after situation after situation that even today I would never do it. And the reason I would never do it, just to be honest with the church, I'm too comfortable. I enjoy my job. I enjoy my house. I enjoy taking my vacations. I enjoy not offending people. I'm too comfortable. I'm too comfortable. I'm too selfish to enjoy the things that I want to really move the gospel and push Jesus Christ the way they did. I'm really too comfortable. I'm selfish right now. Now, I hope I can evolve from that someday, but right now I'm very comfortable not doing the Lord's will 100% of the time. And that's not, that's not his intention, right? That's not his intention for me. But I'm just being honest with the church right now. So Paul's one of these amazing characters that time and time again, he puts himself in these situations. And it's just amazing. The Lord delivers him from it time and time again, time and time again. So that's all I wanted to share with the church today. Um, I hope someone received what I said. Uh, and just please examine yourselves. Examine yourselves and please, when you're sharing Christ with people in the community, share it with love. Just share Christ and don't try to 
Just change a person, right? Just share Christ. So we'll close. We'll close in prayer. Lord, I just want to thank you for everyone that showed up at the church today. Lord, I just want to thank you for allowing me the opportunity to speak. I just want to thank you for everyone who, were, who was here today. They were able to receive whatever message it is you wanted them to receive, Lord. Lord, myself included, we make so many mistakes. We have sin. Um, and Lord, I just pray that you reveal our, our sin to us and that we truly repent from our sins and turn from our ways. I pray that we can really reach this community, Lord, reach the community through love, and just share your name. And I really believe if we share your name, we'll see change in this community and in the people. In your son Jesus Christ's name we pray, Lord. Amen.